Good morning. It's good to be with all of you. All right, you ready to get in the Word? Amen. Now, you, you're probably looking at your bulletin and said, this is, this is a misprint. This is the same thing we've had for the last two weeks. But <laughs> the reality is, we're still in the same text we were. Hey, Kurt, could you just give me a little more? Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. So, I mean, I've been trying to, uh, trying to move on to the next piece of text. I've already researched it and, and written a lot about it, but the Lord just keeps bringing us back to the same text, and I can't leave it until God says it's okay to leave it. So we've got to stay here. We got, and let me tell you why. I mean, this, to me, is one, and, and you've heard this already, that, that, that people say that Romans is the greatest book in the Bible, and chapter 8 is the greatest chapter. And I'm telling you that this truth we're talking about is how to live the victorious life for Jesus Christ. And, and really, it's about spiritual warfare. It's about all the battles that we, that we fight as believers in, in this fallen world and how to live it victoriously. See, it's very encouraging when we, when we dig into this because it teaches us how to live this new life. Now, I pray, since this is the third time we went over it, some of these truths, that it's starting to sink into your hearts and souls. And, uh, you know, to, to be honest with you, you know, I've been walking this Christian life for quite a while now, and I'll tell you the truth, I see very few Christians living this. They're not living this truth out. It's not manifesting within them. They're, they're truly not committed to living this type of life that God calls us to. And for that reason, I think I could preach this every week with great passion because I'm so convicted about these truths we've been studying. And these are the verses we've been going through. Now, just to try to get a set in the, in the context of this, I won't go over all the verses we've been going over, but I want you to realize that the setting for this is the reality that we're in this spiritual warfare. We're in this battle. Okay? Now, Satan and his demons are very active and involved, and in, it's one-third of the angelic hosts that are with Satan creating great turmoil here in this world. That's what they're doing. You don't see them necessarily physically, but that's what's going on all around us. And what he's doing is he's using this world because he's the prince of this world. He's using everything in this world to try to tempt you and lure you into sinful patterns in your life. And, and, and some of them don't even look like sin. Some people are exercising as an idol or work as an idol or even intellectual uh, gains are idols. But whatever way he can engage you and distract you from the call of your life, he will do it with this world system. Now the other part of this that makes it difficult Come on in, Alpha. Morning. I've got to start over now. I think all of you know Alpha, and this is uh, his fiance here. He graduated from Wayside. How long ago? 2012, a few years ago. So he's visiting us today. Glad to have them here today. So, here we go again. So we're engaged in this battle, right? So I, Satan and his demons, one through angelic hosts, everybody with me here? He's using this world system because he's the prince of this world. But here's the other thing, is there's an enemy living within all of us. It's the unredeemed flesh. It's that remnant sinful nature. That's why in chapter 7, Paul goes, why am I doing the things I shouldn't do and not doing the things I should? That's that battle. And he's attacking, hear this, he's attacking each one of you. He wants to take you out. Now, he, what he really desires to do is to kill you. 
That's what he desires to do. But he can't kill you because you're marked as a child of God. Just like with Job, he can't mess with you unless he gets God's permission. But at the same time, he's coming hard and heavy at you because anyway, see, he hated the day you were saved, but what he doesn't want you to do is he doesn't want you to engage in the battle. You know, he, he hated the day you joined the army of God. The day you were saved, you joined the army of God. But he doesn't want you to engage in the warfare that's going on all around you. Do you see that? Do you believe that? And, you know, and things, I'm telling you, things that are presented from the world look nice and glittery and beautiful. And, you know, you can spend all your money in chasing these things and you can work yourself to the end of your career. And I'm telling you, at the end, you're going to find out you've been deceived. And you've lived a meaningless life. And brothers and sisters, I just don't want you to do that. I want you to gauge in this battle and live the life God desires to live, you to live for Him. And regardless what happens, I'm telling you, when you get to the end of this life and you've lived it for Jesus, there will be no regrets in glory. There will be no regrets in glory. So we saw this is the battle that we're talking about, and that's why it's so important we keep soaking in this text here because we found out after he said that, he said, now listen, he said in chapter 8, he said, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, he's saying that, he's saying, listen to you, you are, you are adopted children of God. So he's, after he talked about the battlefield, he wants to tell us who we are in Christ Jesus, that you're adopted children of God. Second thing he told us, He's, I've empowered you by filling you with the Holy Spirit, right? And how did, how did this great new position come to be? That we are now children of God and filled with the very Spirit of God. It came through the person of Jesus Christ. None of you earned your way into this. It was bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. This is chapters one, this is, these are verses 1 through 4 in Romans that we talked about. So it was purchased by Jesus. And by the way, here's, here's one of the reasons I think Paul has it in. These are all encouraging truths. He said, listen, if Jesus purchased you from the depths of, of hell and out of the power of Satan and brought you into his family, do you think you can ever lose that position? No, that's why he's saying you didn't earn it. See, if you earned it, you could possibly lose it. But he said, you didn't earn this. This was a free gift purchased. You were purchased by Jesus Christ and his work. So do you see the security of the salvation of the believer? I think that's why that's in those first four verses. And then the last thing he says, he said, now... All this happened to you. Everybody okay? All this happened to you so that you can start living a life of righteousness. Right? That's what it says. It says so that you can start walking in the Spirit and stop walking in the flesh. He didn't just save you so you can go to heaven when you die. He didn't save you so you could be a, he could be a genie for you whenever you get in trouble, rub your magic bottle and talk to God whenever you're in, in a 911 situation. He saved you into the family of God so that you can start living a life of righteousness. Are you hearing this? That's what it's about. So what we've been talking about, that's why these verses are so important. So, I mean, the next logical question is, how do we live a life of righteousness? Is it hard? Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? This is his world. This is Satan's world. It's a hard place to live out a life of righteousness. Because I'm telling you, if you haven't seen lately, brothers and sisters, the world's getting worse and worse and worse. And so, see, if you want to be a bright light, you know, it's, it's a different when our country was first founded, which, I mean, 
Everybody professed Christ almost, and it was a lot easier to be a bright light, but it's getting darker. Sin is, sin is permeating everything in our culture. You know, and you see it in sexual immorality, you see it in greed, you see it in all many ways it's manifesting itself in many different ways. So I'm telling you why, why is that important? Because it's harder to be a bright light. And, I, and here's, I'm, I'll encourage you in a little bit, but let me give you this. It's going to get harder and harder. There's no doubt about it. So this is what we've been talking about. And let's talk about how to live this righteous life. And Lord willing... We will finish this, uh, this text today, but let's, let's see where the Spirit leads us. So, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. We've already, I've already taught this for an entire sermon, but Galatians 5, 16-24 gives us a very clear picture of these two worlds, right? Of living by the flesh and living by the Spirit. Now, just look here with me for a minute. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Look at this battlefield here. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To look at what it's, the purpose is. Here's the deception. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Do you see that battlefield? They're coming at you so that you will not live the righteous life that God desires. You know, I, I met, I'm telling, I've said this before, but I met men, you know, I was in marketplace ministry for a lot of years. I met men that, they got all the way to the end of their lives. I mean, these are people that went to church every Sunday and Bible study and everything else, and they got to the end of their lives and they realized at the end they had been deceived that whole time. And they had the wrong priorities. In fact, we would call it idolatry. And this whole time they thought they were living for Jesus. And it wasn't until they got to the end they said, oh my goodness, my family's a wreck, my marriage is a wreck, everything's falling apart around me because I pursued the things of the world. So there's the battlefield, but it says, but if, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Nice little list here. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, which is actually uh, mood-altering drugs. It comes from the Greek word pharmacia. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Written 2,000 years ago, does it sound like our culture still battles with these same things of the flesh? Yeah, we do. And he says here, I, I, want, I warn you, as I warned you before, for those who do such things, who, who live in such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then look here, the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the, here's the contrast between living for the flesh. Look at this list. As we live by the Spirit, not the flesh, is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, who, who does not want those things? Do you think the world wants those things? Yeah, the world does want those things. The world wants love. They want joy. They want to be happy. They want peace in their life. But they're deceived. And so you've got to remember that the main thing of, the, of Satan, the demonic forces in the world, is he's going to offer counterfeits. See, we, we know love to mean something different. We know that love is agape. It's sacrificial love. The world, will, the world sells a love of lust. And they say this is love because they know people desire love. And they desire to be loved. 
And he says that you want joy, I'll give you happiness, but the happiness comes through things, through drugs, through money, through drunkenness, through sex. He'll, he'll, he'll say this, this is how you can be happy. And on and on the list goes. So, those are the contrasting worlds. Now listen here, only a believer has a choice between these two worlds. When we were unbelievers, we had no choice in this. We were totally slaves to Satan and sin, and we only sought the things of the flesh. We had no choice in it. But as a believer, hear this, as a believer, we have to actively engage to live a righteous life. It doesn't just happen. It's not let go and let God. It's work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It is hard work to live a righteous life. Now here's where we ended last week is in these Colossian verses. And I just have to spend a few minutes on this because I want you to make sure you understand this. Because this is how we live out this righteous life in a practical way. You can read along up here with me if you would. It says, uh, the first paragraph it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You, you with me here? Yeah, for you, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your, your life, appears, you will also appear with Him in glory. I could preach a whole sermon right here, but let's just... Um, I want you to see what he's saying here is that... Here, here's, here's how we're deceived, brothers and sisters is we're deceived into thinking that the physical world is the world. This, this flesh, these, these things, your cars, your job, your, your education. It, it, this, he wants us to think that this is life. This is what life's all about. He wants us to focus horizontally. The demons and, and Satan does. Do you see that? He wants us to focus on this life only. And he sets all kinds of things for us to pursue to, to kind of to trip us up. But what does it say here in the text? It says set our minds on what? On things that are above. See, the greater reality in your life is not physical. Even though it seems that way, the greater reality in our lives are spiritual. See, this is all going to be burned away. This is all going to be gone. But the reality of what we've done with our souls and what we've done for the kingdom are eternal. So here, here, please stay with me. The reality is the spiritual world is more real than the physical world. This is just a, a temporary, I won't say oasis, because it is an oasis. This is, a this is a temporary place we all stop for a while to be refined by God as believers. So you have to remember, you have to set your minds on the heavenlies. That's when people said, Jesus said, how do we pray? He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see that? That's a heavenly mindset. And it's got to be, it's, um, brothers and sisters, it's got to be permeating your entire being. You have to be heavenly minded as you go through your days. Because the world's going to try to distract you and, and, and take you off of that pattern. So the first thing he says is to set your minds on things above. This is how you live the victorious life. If you want to live a victorious life for God, the first thing you need to do is start setting your minds on things that are above. Stop focusing on things of the world. The second thing he tells us we need to do here, starting in verse 5 up here, it says, put, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, 
very similar list that we see in Galatians. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, coveting, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. If these you too once, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and with its practices and put on new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Everybody all right still? We've got a lot more to do here, so pace yourself. Pace yourself. So, do you see this? So the first thing is to be heavenly mindset. We have to be, get up every day and remind you that this is not the reality. That is the reality. And then secondly, you examine yourself and every day we have to be putting things to death. Brothers and sisters, you don't arrive, you're never done putting things to death in your life until you're in glory. So just get, get over that. <laughs> you know, to me, at our old house, we had a big food garden. Mary's the master gardener, I'm just the laborer, but... One of the things I would, I would love to do in the food garden, I like that part better than the flowers, but I mean, the flowers were pretty. I like to look at them. I just, but the food garden, there was something coming out of there that I wanted. I don't know why I'm telling you all that. But, so there's this, big, <laughs> there's this big food garden, and so on Saturday, I would go and, and weed. And it was a big garden. It would take me hours to weed this thing, and I would till the soil, and I'd put the sprinkler on out there, and you, you'd see this thing. I mean, the, the zucchinis were glistening, and the tomatoes from the, from the watering, and I mean, it looked beautiful. Right? All, no weeds, perfect tilled dirt. But here's the reality. is By Sunday after church when I came home, guess what was in the garden already? Weeds. Weeds. In that short of a time. It's like, did someone come here and plant these? How did they get there? But see, brothers and sisters, that is what our life is like. See, as soon as you kill something, some of you have victory over some uh, significant life altering, life-controlling behavior, sinful behaviors in your life. You have victory over alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it is, you've had victory. But, and those are wonderful things, but I'm telling you, there's other battles going on within you because when you get done with those, there's always a refining process. God's never done making us more into the image of Jesus. So, the re- so what do we do with that reality? The reality is, if you accept that, you get up and say, okay, what am I going to kill next? What does God want to kill in me now? Is it pride? Is it selfishness? Do I have an anger problem? What, what does God want to kill now? And you, you just let God reveal the priorities of things you need to kill in you. But here it is. What are you killing right now? You should all be killing something inside of you. Putting to death something that's starting to control you or having too high of a priority in your life. You know, it would be nice if we greeted each other in the Oasis. We're, we're a family. Good morning. What are you killing? <laughs> right? Well, and I'll tell you what I'm killing. Let's share what we're battling with. We're all, brothers and sisters, we're all battling. I'm battling. Don't, don't be, you know, I'm not above this. I'm battling things. I'm killing things. And you know what? How about this? Often I'm surprised when all of a sudden there's something there, and it grew slowly, but I didn't see it, and all of a sudden I look, oh my goodness, that thing is huge. It's a monster i got to kill now. I wish I would have killed it when it was a little. It's easier to pull out little weeds before the roots grow. 
So we're always killing things. You just have to get at peace with that and let God lead you to what you're killing now. Okay, look at the next part here. That's not the end of the battle. We're on, this third is the third part of this. Because we don't just kill things, we have to replace them. You know what I fell in love with in a gardening world? Ground cover. That is a sweet thing of God. Once the ground, if you haven't seen it, it took us a couple years to get it going, but once we had ground cover established in our gardens, in the front yard and stuff, the weeds couldn't break through. The ground cover shades it out so the seeds couldn't grow. The ground cover in your life is what we're looking at next. You have to replace these things so they can't grow again. You can't just leave the soil vacant in there. You have to plant something new. Look here, it says, verse 12, it says, put on. See, look at this. Put on then as chosen as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I, I, I know I taught this last week, but it's such good news. It says basically what he's saying, so put on it because you're adopted children of God, you've been set apart for a work for God, and you are completely filled and covered with His love. That's who you are as children of God. He said because of that position, your new position in the family of God, he says put on, what does it say? Compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Aren't you, aren't you carrying around unforgiveness in your heart? No reason to carry it around. You've got to get it out of there. It's just killing you. But look at this, the rest of this. So it says, and look at this. This is so important here. It says 14, it says, and above all these, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let me stop there for a second. See, the, the, the reality I want you to see here, with these, the three, he plants the three most important ones in the middle of this, which is love, Peace and joy. Does that sound familiar from anywhere else? First three fruits of the Spirit, love, peace, and joy. He plants in the middle of the text here. Because here it is, brothers and sisters, you are never going to have victory on the outside until you've been empowered on the inside. The power comes from within. Are you with me on this? See, you, you can't be bold on the outside for the Gospel unless you're bold on the inside first. You can't love others until you first understand God's love for you on the inside. You can't be, live in peace unless you really embrace what it means to be at peace with God. You see, that's the source of power. So the reality is, is love, above all these is love, is because what is, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love is critical. You, you, you need to more fully, and by the way, we never get there either, but you need to more fully understand how much God loves you, which we sang today over and over. God's love, He loved you so much He sent His only begotten Son to die for you on the cross. He, he suffered and died so that our sins would be paid for. Do you get that kind of love? And what were we at the time He died for us? Enemies. So when you, when you get that inside of you, how much God loves you, it's a power that is uncomprehendable. Really, you can't comprehend that the power that comes from knowing how much God loves you. And then here's the deal. 
then you can start living like Christ and start loving others. Sacrificially. You see, that, that again is getting out of the physical world. See, I can, for those that I know here pretty well, I can find something I don't like about you. It might surprise some of you. I know some of you are super saints, but there's... there's but, but we, and you can find a number of things you don't like about me. See, but we start to see with spiritual eyes. See, and we start loving like God loves. And you know what? I love something about all of you. And if you, if you ask me, I could tell you specifically, for those I know, something I truly love and thank God about you when I pray. Start weeping about that one. Amen. Because you are precious to me. I know you're precious to Him, but you're precious to me because I see you through the eyes of Christ. And God has made you wonderfully. You're all unique. Not one of you is the same. And there's gifts and blessings and designs and natural gifting and spiritual gifting that you all receive. And that's what I prefer to focus on. And I'm going to try to encourage you to become more and more like Jesus, but at the same time, I'm going to encourage you in your gifting in the way you are by God. So this love is the power, you see that? And then the second one he says, have peace, have the peace of Christ rule in your heart. We're going to be here for a little while. Listen to this now. See, when you understand that you're a child of God, if you understand you're a child of God, if, you, are you, if you're born again, you know you're a child of God because the Spirit lives within you. If you're not born again, Surrender today and get saved and get going with this program we're talking about here. But here's the thing. If, you, if you're a child of God, you know the Spirit lives within you. You know God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows when a sparrow falls from a tree. God is good. This is what Joe and I were talking about. God is good and God is loving. And, and so here it is. Here's the peace. I have all those truths living richly in my heart, as it says here. So when circumstances of life come at me, I have peace. Because I know I am a child of God. He's allowing these to happen in my life for a reason. And a lot of times I don't understand, but He's allowing this to happen. And I can have peace in all circumstances, in all trials, in all hardships, even death. See, that's a peace that transcends understanding. The world can't get that peace. Only believers can get that peace. But, brothers and sisters, how does that empower you to live life differently than the world? See, they're watching us. And if we're filled with the love of God and we're looking at people and loving them and finding out what we like about them and we know that we are children of God and anything that happened to us is Romans 8, 28. We'll get there. Who knows? But we'll get there. But we know that all things work for the good of those who love Him. So you can have a peace that's unbelievable as you go through your life. Does that make sense? And then the third one he has is joy, thankfulness. Because of that, we can be joyful in all circumstances. We can be filled with joy. He says, well, didn't you just lose your job? Yeah, but I'm grateful because I don't know why God took that job away from me. But, you know, I wasn't living in a sinful pattern. It wasn't because of my sins. So I know that I lost this job because God has something good for me. And I don't know what it is yet, but I'm joyful and I'm thankful. You know, I was just, I'm not, but say I'm just diagnosed with cancer. You know, God's allowed me to have cancer. I don't understand why he allowed me to have cancer, but I can rejoice in it because God is going to work something good in the fact that I have cancer. Do you see that? that empowerment that you have as believers? Don't be deceived. 
If you're a believer, you all have that same power inside of you if you'll meditate on it and believe it. So look at this, the list here based on that. Based on that power that lives within you, look at the list above that, which is, so have a compassionate heart. Be kind. Be humble. Be patient. Put up with everybody. Forgive everybody. You see that? That's the life we're called to live. I said this last week, I'll say it again. If I pull aside your close friends and family, is this the kind of person they'll describe you as? Oh, they're compassionate. They're kind. They're humble. They're loving. Or are they going to say, no, they're angry, they're critical, they're self-focused, they're materialistic, they're prideful. What are they going to say about you? Okay, everybody got that? Okay, let's finish up this text here. Really, these truths are very straightforward. See, the, the, the difficult thing with Romans, by the way, just for those that care about this, is that it presents the theology, but we have to go back to the other epistles to apply it in our life. That's why I'm bringing Galatians and Colossians and other things, because you just read that, live by the flesh, not by the Spirit. Romans doesn't go into detail how to do that. You have to go look at other, the other epistles to, to figure that out. And everybody says, so what? Okay. So we got through that. Now here's, here's the next verse, and we'll just go through, Lord willing, to 11 here. It won't take us long. You got the heavy part out of the way. You got the meal here. So let's just see some of the consequences here. So verse 6 is kind of a, a contrasting consequence from living these two lives. If you set your mind in the flesh is death, to set your mind in the spirit is life and peace. I've already explained that to you, but and, uh, and you know, but the world is very deceptive. It's going gonna, it's gonna to offer you things and success and it's going to seem like the things of the world are, are life, but they're really death. I told you about, I've met many men at the end of their lives. They thought they lived a good life, and guess what? All their works were pretty much dead. Now, I'll give you another one. There's a, a man I know, uh, of his, one of his gods is morality. He's a very moral man. He's very disciplined with his kids. Uh, he goes to church every Sunday. Um, but, you know, that's his idol. And, and when you peel back the onion, what you see is that really this is all about him and his pride. He wants to look good to the world. So I'm telling you, the, these deceptions aren't just so plain as sexual immorality all the time. They can be very deceptive, and it can be religion. Now, he's following a false religion. He's not following the true religion. Um, but he is deceived, and right now he really believes him and all of his family are going to heaven when in reality they don't even understand the gospel. They believe the gospel is good works. So, again, choosing uh, walking by the Spirit or walking by the flesh is uh, death or life. And look at these next verses here. Uh, 7 and 8 says, uh, for the mind is set on the flesh, uh, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for if God does not, for if it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So who is he talking about here? He's talking about unbelievers, right? How about this? I mean, 
what was the word like to you before you became a Christ follower? We saw it in your testimony today, in Jimmy's testimony, but it's foolishness. I mean, in eighth grade, I went and I told you this before, I went through eighth grade confirmation, Lutheran church, I read verses, I had to give a little sermonette. But you know what I thought of the Word of God? Boring. I thought the Word of God was boring. I couldn't wait to get out of the confirmation class so I can get out with my friends and riding our bikes, whatever we did. But, so the reality is, it says they did not submit to God's Word because what? They could not. You cannot until you're born again. The Word is foolishness to them. And we're, we're born, what, enemies of God is what it says, and we can't please God in that state. So that just shows you the condition of the unsaved there. But look at verse 9 here. Now he goes, but you, talking to the Roman church, the believers, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. A better way to translate the second part of the verse is it's confusing when it says, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, but what he's really saying, because the Spirit of God dwells in you. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, because the Spirit of God dwells in you. And it says anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So, he's contrasting enemies of God, hostile to God. That you can't even understand the word. It's foolishness to those who are born again. And we don't really need to elaborate that anymore. Then he goes on to another encouraging verse here, verse 10. But it says, but if Christ is in you, because, brothers and sisters, if the Holy Spirit lives within you, Christ also lives within you by the Holy Spirit. And although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So what's he saying here? Another straightforward truth. Our bodies are returning to dust. Does anybody get an amen on that? The older guys say amen. I mean, I... My feet are starting to get stuck to the ground sometimes. There's so much dust on the bottom. You know, just, just kind of drawing me down back into the dirt. But the reality is what he's saying is that so, so you're, you're returning. The body is dead. Your body's dead because of the, of the sin that first entered the world in the, in the Garden of Eden. But, but because of the, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness is that my brother and I were talking about this this week. But you get to a point in your faith where you can say like Paul said, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Right? To live as Christ is die as gain. And that's what he's talking about here. When the, Spirit of, when the Spirit of God lives within you, the fact that my body's turning back to dust doesn't discourage me. And to be honest with you, it kind of excites me because every day I'm one day closer to home. I don't belong here. You belong here? No, this is a, this is a foreign land. I don't speak the language anymore. I don't understand this world anymore. It's hard, right? I want to go home. So, so even, as, even as our bodies fall apart, we can be greatly encouraged. And, and our last truth for the day here is verse 11. He says then, if the Spirit of Him, uh, the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So basically he's saying here is be encouraged by the fact that the Spirit of God, I mean, he's just giving us an illustration of how powerful the Holy Spirit is. If it raised Jesus Christ from the tomb, that same Spirit lives in you, do you think you have enough power living within you to live the victorious life for Jesus? So, brothers and sisters, here it is. We don't have any excuses. 
We don't have any excuses to live in the righteous life for God. Now, don't get me wrong, we all have tons of them, but I'm telling you, it's don't blame it on God because He's given you all the power you need to live the righteous life that God desires. So here's my challenge for you as we close this week. You know, I don't ask you for much, do I? I don't ask you for a lot of favors. or yeah, I'm asking you for something. I want you to, to write this down now. I want all of you to read Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 17. It'll only take you five minutes. Can I have five minutes a day from you for the next week? Just read and read through it slowly. Colossians 3, chapter, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Just slowly read through that. I want you to more deeply understand how we live the victorious life in Christ. And remember, the first paragraph is who you are in Christ. Don't just breeze over that. Then the, the, the second chapter, second paragraph is what you have to put to death, and the third paragraph is what to put on. All right? Can you just read through that for, for a week, five minutes a day for a week, add that to your devotions? Well, I love you, brothers and sisters. Thank you, sister. Thank you, brothers. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're just uh, we're grateful for the truth. So, you know, really, we don't have any excuses. Uh, Lord, we do cry out to you because this is a very hard world. Satan and his demons are busy as can be, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, trying to take off your children. But Lord, you've given us everything we need to be victorious. We are adopted, sealed, and secured children of God. You've given us the living word to, to meditate on, soak on, and empower the spirit that lives within us. And I pray for each one of these dear brothers and sisters that they would live the life that God calls them to. Pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.